Good morning, y'all. It's always a good day when we don't burn the church down. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming out. Uh, there's so much going on, and um, but there's never too much uh, to be joining together to worship our good God. And so I want to have a I have a few announcements for you before we get started. Uh, first of all, uh, if you would like to order a poinsettia in honor of someone for Christmas, the order forms are in your bulletin. Uh, Debbie talked to the florist, and they've given us till Wednesday for an actual count. So Debbie has to have a count by this Wednesday, November 3rd. But payment is due December 5th. So you can fill out the form, put it in the offering plate, you can leave your form on the desk, or you can call or email the office before Wednesday to get a poinsettia order in. So uh, please uh, remember that. Second of all, next Sunday is daylight savings time. I never can remember if it's it's fall back. Okay, I don't. I can't remember if we're going to daylight savings time or coming away from it. I don't really care. It, it's the bad week Sunday where uh, you have to change your clock. So uh, I don't like it. But that's next week. And then um, also next week is All Saints Sunday. So that's the Sunday where we celebrate and remember the people that we've lost in the, in the past year. And uh, there was a whole lot of loss in the past year. And so um, I, I want to encourage you to, if you can at all possibly make it, to come to All Saints Worship. Um, it is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, because we get to proclaim Christ's victory over death and hope in the face of loss. So you may sound, it may seem like it's a bummer of a Sunday. It may seem like it's um, too sad. But um, this is where the rubber meets the road for faith, y'all. It's where we get to believe in the hope of God in the face of death and loss. So anyway, I, I hope you come, You make, a, make an effort to come. It will be uh, wonderful. We've got some special stuff planned, and I think it, can be, it will be a really, um, a really special Sunday. And then Hanging of the Greens is going to be November 21st. So make plans to stay after church that Sunday to help decorate for ch our church for Advent. I think it's going to be wonderful. Yes, Cookie. Cookie's going to be cooking. So that's yet another reason to come to Hanging of the Greens. It'll be wonderful. And then lastly, don't forget if you've got kids or, I mean, if you want to be an adult to come too, a reverse trick-or-treat is right after church today. This is where we're going to be visiting our shut-ins and giving them candy and singing them some fun songs. So uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful time uh, uh, to visit some of those folks that don't make it out to church. All right. I think that's all the announcements I'm fit to say. Oh, no, wait. Nancy's got another one. Orphan. Orphan Sunday. We'll take an offering for the orphans. Say that ten times fast. All right. Thank you so much. All right, let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for this wonderful group of folks. I thank you for this church family and how, um, how much they love you. Father, I pray that you will inhabit our worship today. Let our love shine forth so that we might lift each other up in encouragement and lift your name up high. Give us grace this morning to worship, Father. In your name I pray, amen. Our opening hymn today is one of my favorites. It's hymn number 171. It's a short little hymn, so we're going to sing it twice through. It's There's Something About That Name. Let's stand and sing together.
Declaration of Faith on page 881, please. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, turn over just a few pages to page 858 as we read our psalm together today. This is going to be Psalm 146. You know, the reason we, we read psalms is because they're the, the worship book of the early church, the worship book of the Hebrew people before there was a Christian church. And um, it's just ways that we can, we can count on to connect with the Lord. So let's read together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. Put not your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. Their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners and upholds the widow and the orphan. But the Lord brings the way of the wicked to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're coming now to our time of prayer. Who is it that we need to lift up in prayer this morning? Cookie? Yeah, tell her. Lost a brother? Yes. Yes. And uh, we also need to be praying for Jim. Continue praying for Jim Carter. And for Bill. And for Bill. Bill Absolutely. And Pat. Yeah. Yeah, that caregiving role is tough. What's that? And Kim. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, there is something about your name, something sweet. Because of your great love, we are not forgotten. Because of your great love, we are cared for. And so, God, we thank you for all these things. God, we're reminded as we 
have so many announcements about upcoming events, that your grace is with us. We, we celebrate that we are together as a church family and that we have the privilege of fellowshipping with one another and the privilege of doing your work where you've put us. So thank you for all these things, Father. We pray this morning for these folks that we've lifted up. God, we pray for Cookie's family and for the Reese's. God, comfort them in a, in a season of loss. God, we pray for uh, Johnny, who lost his brother. Be with him. God, be for, with Vermer as she is coming up on these procedures, this hysterectomy and, and cataract surgery. God, we give you praise that there was no cancer, but God, the, these, these procedures are going to be taxing. So we pray that you will watch over her and bring her healing and restoration. God, we give you praise for the birth of these twins, that you have brought them safely into this world. And we pray for their mother, that you will help her to recover from this, this birth. We pray for Jessica, God, and, and we pray that you will bring them home by Thanksgiving so they can have a joyous and wonderful holiday together as a family. Bring the, keep those twins safe and make them grow in health and in vigor. God, we do pray for June Edwards. We pray for Sherry, that you will uh, strengthen her and help her to uh, continue to recover. We thank you that she is doing as well as she is, Father, and that she's with us. God, we pray for Jim Carter, that he will continue to recover, that you'll bring him health and wellness and, uh, and just bring him uh, back to, to wholeness, God. We pray for, Jim, for Bill Strickland and Pat and Kim and their whole family as they adjust to this caretaking situation. God, give them energy, give them strength, give them grace day to day and draw near to their whole family, God. Indeed, draw near to each of us as we, uh, as we live together in this community, as we support each other in times of need, as we love you and love our neighbors. God, give us grace and show us how good you are day by day. All these things we pray in your name by praying the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I want to invite our kids forward for our children's moment with Miss Vicky. Come on, children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Who let that pirate in here? Man, we can't have pirates in church. To the people that can't come to church today. And um, we're going to sing some songs. Here, Nora, you got some money for the children? But um, did you know that you're some of you are dressing up for Halloween, and when you dress up, you pretend to be somebody else? Or, or, or a storybook character or a movie character? You pretend to be somebody else. Um, and it's fun to dress up, isn't it? Do you like to dress up and pretend to be somebody else? Yeah. But guess what? Even if you dress up and be pretend to be somebody else, God still knows you. 
God knows you. And in the Bible, it says, in Psalms 139, it says, um, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. That means he knows what you're thinking, right? You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows what you're thinking, what you're doing. He knows all these things. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh God, you know it all together. So God knows what you're going to say before you even say it. Sometimes that's kind of scary because we say things we shouldn't say, right? But, um, but we can always thank the Lord that he sent Jesus and we can ask for forgiveness when we say things we shouldn't say. But, dear, but today, for trick-or-treat, when you dress up like somebody else, I want you to remember that God still knows you, and he knows your heart, he knows your mind, and he knows that you love him, and he loves you with everything. But I thought, if y'all don't mind a little more time, since um, we're going to visit, we're going to practice our singing for our visitors that we're going to visit for y'all. Is that okay? So y'all stand up. We're going to practice our songs and our poems. And the first one is, ready? One, two, three. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And he's watching over you and me. God is bigger than the boogeyman. Bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching over you and me. All right, the five little pumpkins, right? Five little pumpkins sitting on the gate. The first one said, Oh, my, is getting late. The second one said, There are witches in the air. The third one said, But we don't care. The fourth page 368 in your hymnal. I want to invite you to stand as we sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's stand and sing.
ushers to come forward as we take up our offering. Um, but I want to take a second to tell you that we are starting a new thing uh, where we are have the ability now to give online. So if you go to our website, uh, GardenCityUMC.com, and you look in the top right-hand corner, I think, well, it's up there in the banner somewhere, depending on how your browser size. It says, Give Online. And if you're like me and you don't carry cash on you or you have to scramble to find your checkbook anytime you write a check um, and you mostly just use your debit card, there is an option for giving online now. So um, uh, we found a, a site with very reasonable fees and we're trying it out for a little while. Uh, you can set up recurring giving if you'd like that way. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, give it a check out on the website, and uh, that is an option for you and for, for anybody who wants to give, especially if you're worshiping with us online and you're one of those that tunes in weekly. Um, I know some folks have been very faithful about mailing checks to the church, even though they're not here in person, and we appreciate that greatly. Uh, but there is just another avenue for you to give. So go to GardenCityUMC.com and check out our Give Online button to, uh, to have an option to give online. Let's pray. Jesus, you've just given us so many blessings. As I see these children standing up and singing, each one of them is a blessing to our church. Each one of them is a bright hope for our future. So Jesus... Inspire us to give. Give us your grace so that we might uh, give them a wonderful church so they can grow up in the faith, be strong, and that they can lead for years to come. Inspire us right now to do that. Bless this offering. In your name I pray. Amen. coming to the end of our exile series, a series about what happened when God's people were kicked out of their homeland by Babylon and were sent to live as strangers in a strange land. 
where people did not care about God or the faith that they had and how these men of God stood up in a strange land and, and had a witness. And so this is our, our last one. We're talking about Ezekiel this morning. We're in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel was a prophet of the exile, a prophet who, who prophesied God's word to God's people during this time. So join me in Ezekiel 37, starting at verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, so that you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude." Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I'll put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I'll place on you your own soil, place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Ezekiel, this prophet of the exile, this prophet of hopelessness, has spent 35 chapters prophesying doom and destruction on Israel. Basically saying, you made this bed and now you have to lie in it. <laughs> you have made this bed of disobedience and idolatry and God has sent the Babylonians here to bust you up and to take you away and this is what you deserve. 35 chapters of doom and destruction for the disobedience of Israel. And God gave Ezekiel all these performance art prophecies that he had to do. Like he had to eat a scroll, just, just straight up eat a scroll that, that prophesied some, something about the word of God to them. He had to um, eat food that was cooked over a fire made from his own excrement. That was pretty gross, but he did it. Just prophesy what the, the word of God had for these people. He had to cut his beard with a sword. To show this picture of what God was going to do to his people. In 30, chapter 36, God finally begins to pepper in some hope. He finally begins to talk about rescue to Ezekiel. And I imagine it had to have been like a breath of fresh air for him. But then God takes him to this valley of dry bones. And I imagine that Ezekiel had to be a little bit worried about it at first. <laughs> I'll bet he was, he was thinking in his mind, God, please don't make me eat these bones. <laughs> don't make me eat this stuff. Because <laughs> uh, so many of his prophecies up to that point had been involving eating gross things. Don't make me eat these bones. But then God shows him this valley of dry bones, and he asks him the question that we're going to camp out on this morning. He asked him the simple question, son of man, mortal one, 
can these bones live? And Ezekiel's answer to this question is vitally important. It represents what he thinks is the hope of Israel. So before we get to his actual answer, I want us to go through the options of things he could have said before delving into what he actually did say. Son of man, can these bones live? The first thing Ezekiel could have said to him was, no, God, of course not. They're dead, dry bones. These bones can't live. They're the very picture of death. They did. They can't live. And had Ezekiel said no, that would have been a sign of utter hopelessness in his heart toward Israel. There is nothing more hopeless in the world than a pile of dried up bones. It used to be alive, vital, but it has been reduced to this. Not to be too gross, not to put too fine of a point on it, but when a person very first dies, they look like they could get up and walk again. Most folks look like they're just kind of asleep there. And I don't know if you've ever been to an open casket funeral, but sometimes when I'm at those situations, I think, man, it'd be nice if that person could just get up and walk again. You kind of, something clings in your, in your soul about this hope that this person maybe could snap out of it. But when a body is reduced to bones, and then even those bones are sucked dry of moisture, that's just hopelessness. There's no way that person's ever get up, get up again. And had Ezekiel said no, it would have represented his belief that Israel was beyond redemption. Israel had disobeyed so bad. They had fallen into idolatry so much. They had given into shame so thoroughly that there was no way that God could possibly bring them together as a people again. If, if God had said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel had said, no, it would have meant we are never coming back to our homeland. We will never worship in the temple again. There is no hope for us. And sometimes when I look around at our context about at America in 2021, and, and if God were to come to me and say, son of man, can these bones live? I might, ooh, sorry, I might be tempted to say, God, I don't think these bones can live. Because we're in a country that's deeply divided. We got reports of violence coming in almost every day from some corner of the world. It's easy to lose hope. You know, I've, I've read reports and I've talked to people that are nearly 100 years old who've seen a whole century of our country come and go, and they have said that our country has not been this bitter and divided in their whole lifetimes. We, are, we have gotten to ourselves into a huge mess. And people are fighting and bickering and arguing about everything from masks to race to gender. You used to be able to talk about sports with people without too much controversy, but now that's gone because it's everything is laden with all of this partisanship. Scroll through social media feed or turn on 10 seconds of cable news and all you'll get is hate and finger pointing. And it's exhausting. Can we ever get back to being somewhat united? Or are we broken beyond hope? It can be awfully easy to look around and say, these bones are dry and they cannot live. And lest you say, well, at least there's the church as a paradigm of hope. The church is in as much trouble as anyone else. Every church that I know of is struggling because people just aren't coming back. Every church that I know of is sitting at like 50% attendance that they had before COVID. 
And it's not just COVID because you've got these scandals that are going on and abuse that's rampant in the church. You've got fallen church leaders, financial mismanagement, outright stealing happening all over the place. You've got people that used to be looked up to and respected like Robbie Zacharias and Bill Hybels. And they're just, it turns out they're just predators. The whole Southern Baptist Church is embroiled in controversy right now over how they've handled sexual abuse. And the United Methodist Church is on the verge of a split and has been for years. And it's getting bitter and it's that of acrimonious. We're in trouble, y'all. And in a time when worship has been replaced with entertainment and a consumer mentality has overcome Christians when it comes to church, church is failing to give people satisfactory answers to the hard questions of life. Church isn't answering people the questions of violence and race and sexuality and the big things because we've seeded those questions to the larger culture and we focused on like religious entertainment but guess what people get entertained anywhere entertainment's all over the place and church isn't helping and so people have given up on american church because they look at our churches and they ask ourselves can these bones live and the answer for like a whole generation of people or more has been a resounding no The American church is in dire straits these days, and it can look pretty hopeless. And then we look at ourselves and our own personal lives, and and I don't know about you, but I've gone through some real dry spells lately, some real struggles. And I look and I say, is there hope that I can bounce back from this, that I can, can come through for this? I don't know. So... That's one answer that Ezekiel could have had. Son of man, can these bones live? He could have said, no. Ain't no way these bones can live. And that would have represented hopelessness. But the other equally bad thing that Ezekiel could have said was an unqualified yes. If no represented hopelessness, then yes represents delusion. And that might even be worse than hopelessness. Because an unqualified yes doesn't, isn't an a expression of faith. It's, a, it's just misplaced hope. Think about it. It's absurd to think that Ezekiel could have looked at those bones and said, of course, yeah, they can totally get up and live again. You know, in order for God to do what God ultimately ended up doing, Ezekiel had to admit that on their own, these bones were hopeless. Maybe he could have tried to piece them together himself as best as he could. You know, he might could have said, the shin bone's connected to the leg bone, or I don't know. That didn't make any sense. But, you know, he could have gotten there and, and, and pieced together these skeletons as much as he could, and he could have tried as hard as he could to get these bones to live, and he would have ended up with a lifeless skeleton. The nation of Israel had to realize that without the Spirit of God to intervene, They were hopeless. They could not do it on their own. They could not make it back to their homeland. They could not worship together in their temple unless God did something. They cannot say, yes, these bones can live. In order for God to do the work of making the bones come to life, we have got to acknowledge the extent of our hopelessness by ourselves. And when we look at our context and bring that into to our house, and it's ridiculous to look at any leader in our country and think that they can fix things that the last guy couldn't. It's ridiculous to think that the right legislation or the right attitude change can bring about the substantive, real, hopeful change that we need. It's just kind of silly. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. It's ridiculous to look around and think that just the right ideas or the right speech or the right sermon is going to bring together QAnon and BLM people and sing Kumbaya just because we're all Americans. It's not going to happen. 
It's never going to happen. Our, we, our context is, is not, is hopeless without God. We just cannot have it accomplish these things on ourselves. Nobody is eloquent enough to make peace. Nobody is persuasive enough to bring people together. No law is going to be comprehensive enough to solve all of our problems. And in the church, it's silly to think that we can solve all our problems on ourselves. That's kind of what the prosperity gospel gives us, right? The prosperity gospel gives us this unqualified yes, that all you have to do is mail in a check and then God's going to solve all your problems. But that's a lie. Ezekiel didn't get to decide whether the bones would live or not. God did. Ezekiel didn't command the bones to rise up. God commanded Ezekiel. And the, the church's false hope, our unqualified yes, lies in our sense of moral superiority. We put all of our eggs in the basket of being morally right. And we run a rough shot over anyone who disagrees with us. We look around and say, what dead bones? These dead bones are alive. We've got all the answers. And, and as if our moral stances on the issues is good enough for us to, to thrive. But we forget that Paul said, if we speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, we are nothing. And then when one of our heroes falls, we just make excuses or act as if that person was uniquely bad when we know that in our, each of our hearts, we all have the capacity for evil. We put our hope in the peace of our church and the idea that we can form into our own groups and just leave each other alone, not realizing that, man, even if we do that, even if we go our separate ways and go into our camps and split up, 50 years from now, there's going to be another controversy that's going to be the exact same thing. Well, it's like we have this hope that maybe the government or the media or the police can eke out some kind of solution to our racial problems. Or, or we can personalize it and say, well, I'm not a racist, so I'm fine. And maybe if I just close my eyes, it'll go away. Our hope is flawed if we put it in ourselves. Our hope is not in our own ability to solve our own problems. We can never hope in our ability to be moral enough or upstanding enough or respectable enough of Christians in order for our church to work out. And the more we try, the more we bury our head in the sand for the very fact that the answer to son of man, can these bones live, is not yes. I think about my own personal life and so many of the unhealthy ways in which we, which we numb our feelings come from this idea that we can just pretend like everything's okay. <laughs> you know, if we can just drink enough that we can forget that things aren't okay or, or if we can just eat enough, then we can satisfy this feeling or, or whatever your vice is, the core of that is by saying, I'm okay, I don't need any help. All I have to do is X, Y, or Z and I'll be all right. It's this unqualified yes that puts our hope in the wrong place. We're fooling ourselves into thinking that we can make our bones live. So if no represents hopelessness and yes represents delusion, how can the bones live? What, what is the point of this? And so we look at the scripture and you see that Ezekiel answers the question the only way that it can be answered. God said, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh Lord God, you alone know. That is the kind of hope that an exile has. 
he recognizes that he can't afford to be hopeless because he can't give up what God has already promised him. But he also can't afford to be delusional. He can't afford to have this hope that everything will work out without God doing something, without God's intervention. So things might be hopeless on our own, but if God acts, if God does what only God can do, then nothing is impossible. Our country is not hopeless if God can act. If we fall on our faces and turn to God, there is no shortage of hope. Our church might be in a world of trouble, but God can change it. God can do what only God can do. God can breathe life back into us. God can help us to overcome our divisions. God can help us to overcome our problems. God can give us the strength and the life in order to make a way. God can do that. I might be, I might be a lost cause to my own self, but God can bring life into me. God can give me his spirit to help me move. And that's what, you know, y'all don't need a pastor who's got everything together and is perfect all the time. You don't, my kids don't need a dad who's just always on. What people need from me and what people need from you are a person who is imperfect, who's broken, who realizes it, and who leans on God's grace. That's what people need from us. They need to see our real selves, see our struggles, see that we, on our own, cannot make these bones live, but we serve a God who breathes his life, who breathes his breath, who animates us. So that we don't have to put up this perfect facade of church. We don't have to put up this perfect facade of having it all together. Because we serve a God who can do it for us. And because Ezekiel said, God only you know. Because Ezekiel placed his hope in the Lord and not in the nations and not in himself and not in anything else. God prophesied. And he said, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And that's what he did. That took years. But God brought his people back to the land of Israel and they rebuilt the temple and they reestablished their people and they did it because God gave it to them. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're looking at the pile of dry bones that is our church, that is our country, that is our personal lives. And I don't know if you're looking in wallowing in hopelessness or if you're trying to delude yourself into thinking that we can do it on our own but both of those things are equally untrue there is a hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ that hope is that Jesus will send the Holy Spirit to us will give us guidance will give us clarity and will show us the way forward in these bitterly divided and uncertain times. These past couple of years have changed our world, and it's never going back to the way it was before. But God can reanimate these bones in a way that's better than it was. God can give us a hope for our church, for Garden City Church, for the United Methodist Church, for the church global and Catholic, God gives us hope that he will do what only he can do and what cannot be done without him. So today, I want to ask you, ask you, where is your hope? And today, I want to invite you during our last song to come forward and to put your hope in Jesus.
because it's the only way that we're going to come forward in any kind of success. Let's pray. Jesus, we look around at our world and we see a pile of dry bones worse than they've ever been, for us anyway. We have no earthly, worldly right to be hopeful. We have nothing to put our hope in except for you. Jesus, let us not, let us not bury our heads in the sand and pretend like we're going to be okay. And let us not lose hope altogether, but God, instead, let us turn to you. Fall on our knees, fall on our faces, and seek you out for our hope. We cannot solve the myriad of problems that we are facing by ourselves. Our leaders don't have the solutions. Our systems don't have the solutions. We don't have the solutions. But you have the breath of your spirit to breathe into us. Jesus, I pray that you will show us that noise, that rattling, that you will knit our bones together bone by bone, put sinews on us, put flesh on us, and breathe into our lungs that we might be the people that you need us to be, that we might be the people of God sent to be an alternative to the powers and the systems of this world, that we might be your kingdom and your church in this place. Give us the power to do so. In your name I pray, amen. Our closing song today is going to be the song we've been learning all month. Great are you, Lord. I chose this song to go with this sermon. <laughs> so I want to invite you to stand and sing with me. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth.
So go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, putting your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.